What's going on, Cam? What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, you know, just hanging out. Uh, the the temperature has come down this week. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, unseasonably cool. So mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm only kind of sweating right now as we are beginning <laughs> to record and not just completely uh, pouring sweat. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome for you. I mean, I, I'm also not, it's pretty hot. I literally just ran in the front door and uh, did not have a chance to cool down the room like I usually do. So I'm I'm quite warm, but, uh, yes. you know, I'm also slightly less sweaty. And so we're probably about even. <laughs> yes. Probably, yeah, yeah. I, I have a baseline sweat going right now, you know. Yeah. Well, so. that's just your natural, your coat, yeah, your it's, natural. It's, yeah, my natural moisture. Protective layer. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah, your insulation <laughs> against the elements and like potentially like hurtful comments from people, things like that. It sort of yeah, deflects. yeah, it, yeah. It is uh, a, a nice little uh, evolution that I've <laughs> I've developed. This is the next stage in human evolution. I think you put... will find Evans' deflector shields are quite operational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my my protective sweat exoskeleton. Yeah. Well, plus it's nice. I mean, you know how like bodybuilders will oil themselves before a show. I would never have to. You do don't that. have to do that. You glisten, and your contours are already like natural glisten. <laughs> you're, you're already like show ready. Yeah, which is yeah. which is a great thing. It's a boon, not a not a curse. As yeah, some would yeah, say. you can just parade me right out there on stage. Yeah, which we do upon my corporeal form. <laughs> That's something that a lot of listeners probably don't realize, but in yeah. our private lives, we do show Evan competitively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you've you've probably heard of dog shows, but you haven't heard of competitive podcast host shows. Uh, yeah, and I got to yeah. tell you, I it, am a show host. While he sure, yeah. excels, he excels <laughs> at the obstacle course. Uh, he's great at it. Um, yeah. his real his real um, uh, event is the um, uh, uh, hot wing competition. Because yep. the guys, I gotta tell you, the guys got uh, an ability to eat spicy food like you wouldn't yep. believe. Yep, absolutely. And still keep a, a straight foot. Because part of that, of course, in professional podcast host showing is that they then have to recite um, from a, a, an hour and a half script with with yeah. spicy sauce on their tongue. So yeah, it's very similar to hot ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but way yeah. more niche and and therefore yeah, way, therefore yeah. cool. <laughs> quite quite literally, dozens of uh, viewers worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's a very exclusive but very uh, prestigious event. Yes, absolutely. Um, the only thing that I want to talk about before we dive in is, yeah. and I texted you about this this week, but uh, as with many of my texts, it went uh, unanswered. Uh, the uh, you remember Tila Tequila? Oh yeah, the the MySpace. Uh, yeah, right? didn't she yeah. get famous on MySpace? She was famous because she had the most followers on MySpace. Um, okay, for some period of time that that was relevant right and um then went on to have like dating ourselves here i guess but yeah totally i don't (laughs) think there's a lot of doubt like no one thinks we're gen z like listen to us dude we're yeah we're dweeby (laughs) um yeah well i think we've also multiple times mentioned that both of us are in our 30s yeah yeah low 30s Low 30s. Low 30s, yeah, not high 30s. Yeah, we're still in our prime 30s, our beefy 30s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of hot <laughs> slabs over here. Yeah. Um, so she then went on to have like some like really bad reality TV shows and stuff. And this isn't all super new. This is just new to me. I found out she came up. In, it's, I was reading about something totally unrelated to do with like, you know, the rise in modern anti-Semitism, et cetera. And um, she apparently like has suffered some sort of prolonged psychotic episode and like came out as just like a vocal like Nazi despite being I think Vietnamese American she's she's very uh not white 
Um, not that I give a fuck, but she has expressed a desire to like devote herself to preserving the white race and like like if she, she what did she say something like if i could do one thing it would be to exterminate the scourge of the jews from the face of the earth and Jesus she's done like a Christ. bunch of public nazi salutes and then so i checked out her youtube because somebody was like yo her youtube is is batshit um and she's on this whole different thing now she's uh claims to be married to god um and i watched one video of hers that literally like my brain was leaking out of my ears i had to turn it <laughs> off because it was freaking me out where she was talking about she's like i know i know it's a lot i'll just put it in here hey guys good morning the morning has come uh there's much there's so much i have to tell you but it's kind of hard to explain right now so i'm going to try my best to help you because god really god and myself um, we really, really want you to be set free. And uh, this truth is so, it's so terrifying and so hard to believe for most people that, you know, they might brush it off because it's a painful realization. But what's been going on with you is that, you know, everyone has died. You know, everyone has died. And because God, because in the Bible, in the end, the Lord says, look, I'm going to throw, uh, death and Hades into the lake of fire so that there will be no more death okay so what happens is now that there's no more death and all the people have died what happens is they your soul your soul which is you know you're a ghost right so you, you're still after you die you didn't realize that you've died but so you still linger around in this like 3d earth hell or you know purgatory it's a place where souls go uh, and they wander there forever, not understanding and not knowing that they're dead. But basically, the premise mm -hmm. is that, like, all of humanity is dead. Um, but God, her husband, has also simultaneously banished death, uh, by which she sort of personifies in sort of a grim reapery way. And oh, so cool. because we're all dead, but there is no death to harvest our souls, we're existing in a sort of limbo. Um, and I think this was meant to be comforting in a way, but she went off onto some pretty crazy shit. So anyway, that's So all. is she still into the anti-Semitism thing? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think the most recent thing that I read about that was from like three or four years ago. Um, but, I, hmm. uh, you know, that doesn't seem to be a thing that... Uh, goes away easily or quickly for most that embrace yeah. it. Um, it's a pretty, it tends to burrow its way into people's uh, melted brains pretty effectively. Yep. So let's Oof. just assume. And also, like, if you ever were, like, I'm not going to be super quick to redeem you on my TV. My, 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 what is this, a TV show? On our TV show that we yeah. do. Uh, yeah, on their television program. Yeah, here on uh, Public Access uh, New yeah. Bedford. Yeah, huh, weird. Um, That's that it. Is, uh, that is very strange. I have not thought about the name Tila Tequila yeah. in many years. It, I, I immediately knew like that I knew who she was, but I, I had yeah. no recollection of like why she was relevant. I didn't remember mm -hmm. the MySpace thing or anything. So mm -hmm. I went down a little bit of a Tila Tequila rabbit hole. And, you know, mm -hmm. frankly, I, I, I sort of regret giving her the views and the clicks, but uh, also I don't. Cause, yeah, I know. mean... What are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, not not partake of that kind of garbage. Yeah, I, I yeah. need it. I need. Yeah, it. not shovel the garbage into your gaping maw. Yeah, my my belly hungers for the trash. <laughs> yes, that and uh, my strange addiction, which I is my favorite TV show of all time. Dude, yeah, was that uh, <laughs> the one where the woman just like keeps 
like buckets of shit around her house. Oh god. Like, oh god. Oh yeah. god. Yeah. That's Wait, that's what a legitimately did she call sad. It? She called it her buckets of like dirty water or something. Something like, like that. that. Yeah. She had working bathrooms, but she she chose to shit in buckets like inside and outside, like all around all around her house. Yeah, just her and house had was, like, like her whole house shit. was considered like completely contaminated when when they oh. sent like people in like hazmat suits into her home. They were like, yeah, hey, we can't salvage anything. We have to strip this house completely down to the studs and yeah. rebuild it essentially from the ground up for it to be yeah. habitable safely by humans. And she's yeah. like, hmm. I'm not sure if I want to leave. She wanted to like go in and eat some more of her food before they threw it all away. And they're like, "Yo, you could literally die from eating any of this." Like, the fact that you're not dead now is anyway. Yeah, she that's would like sad. shovel like shit with her eating bowls. Yeah, she, and then she would just wash them real quick and then eat out. Like, of rinse them. them. Don't say wash them because I am okay, not convinced she was, she, was she was doing a heavy scrub with any kind of cleaning solution that I would consider acceptable. <laughs> I think this woman was giving him a quick rinse in a dirty sink. Yeah. You know, in a house full of poop. Yeah, it was really, really wild. No, I like the more toned down ones. Like, that one just makes you feel bad. I, I like the like the woman who eats her own mattress. And they uh-huh. and she's, like, obsessed with taking bites of memory foam. And they do these... It's The show's totally exploitative. It's, it's not, like, good, right? So, like, yeah. they always make a play of, like, or a show of, like, you know, getting these people help, bringing on a psychologist, some doctor or whatever, who's like, oh, we're here to help. But, like, even then, they're just like... Yo, you know you're fucked up, right? Like the psychologist will be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, dude. So how'd you end up so fucking batshit, um, dude? Yeah. <laughs> and there's this great scene with a woman who has eaten at least one full mattress in her life and is working on number two, <laughs> and they make this like performative display of bringing her to a doctor, and he's just like, yeah, you can't um, eat mattresses; it's bad for you. And she's like, oh, like I didn't know that. Why is it bad? And he's like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like. We haven't really run tests on that, but uh, <laughs> just trust me. Like, it's bad. You you shouldn't be eating your mattress. Yeah. <laughs> That's the shit I like. Yeah. Yeah, there's also the episode about the guy in a sexual relationship with his car. Oh, dude. And he's just like, he is smooching the fucking shit out of this car. Yeah. Yeah, and his car's like, name is Chase. Uh, yeah. It is a guy, like, if you're wondering. Yeah. Not that it matters. I mean, you know, if you can be gay yeah. with a person, you can be gay with your car. But, uh, yeah, it, he is. he's gay. But he's gay for and a he's car. like tongue kissing just like the hood mm-hmm. on this car and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like a yeah. it's like a 1998 like Pontiac Trans Am yeah. or Grand Am rather, and uh, and its name is Chase, and uh, that's got another classic scene where they like bring his dad on and like have him tell his dad about it on air. Like that's <laughs> the shit that I want to see. I love that. Uh. You can just watch like the last glimmer of light leave that man's eyes as he like <laughs> knows that his name will die with this boy who like yeah. fucks Who's his just car. Fucking. <laughs> Busting ropes into Dude. the fucking exhaust of his car. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That can't be good for the mileage. No. Do you think that would void the powertrain warranty? Uh, maybe. You know, uh, sir. sir uh, there is an excessive buildup of semen in your catalytic converter. I just want to clarify: is the, it looks like it looks like cum? Is it, it's cum? It's cum. We thought it would, Bill. It's yeah. cum. We, it is cum. He fucks confirmed his car. cum. Yep. So um, anyway, I don't even. Yeah, I, I would say the trashiest TV I like is probably a Bar Rescue. I can just like, oh, dude, that... just John Taffer fucking cracks me up. That show triggers me way too much because I've worked at places that like needed to be on that that show, yeah. and it's it sucks so bad being in it, like in a yeah. in a bar like that. Um, that and like this new show Bear the Bear yeah. or whatever. Like I don't watch it because I'm like, why would I fucking want to come home and then like just stress about like a magnified version of my job 
It'd be like if yeah. it'd be like if they made some like hit show about like working in a lab and it was like all fucked up. You know, you probably yeah. wouldn't want. I mean, maybe you would. But you probably wouldn't want to like I mean, think maybe. about work. Maybe you would. Maybe you would. I don't know my new job. I don't really give a shit. Like, yeah. it's super chill. So I could definitely watch it. Yeah. My last job probably that would freak me out. Yeah. But, um. No, I just like John Taffer. Like he comes up with all these like ridiculous like concepts for the bars, just like stupid as shit. <laughs> and like all of the time you see like the at a postscript in the episode where they're like six months later they change the name back to the old one. Yeah, it's always <laughs> that. It's yeah, always and then that. it's like the bars will keep doing good, but they were finally like, "Dude, this fucking idea is stupid as shit." They it's did like, one oh, in my oh. hometown, and that's exactly what happened. Oh, they did one in New Bedford. They didn't change yes. the name. Yes, oh Lee Bads, but then it was yeah. actually wicked good afterwards, and it, they were doing good up until COVID. I think they had to close during COVID. Yeah, but like, and this was that was in like a wicked shitty part of the city too. Yeah. Oh, um, I used to live down there. That was near yeah. my old house. Their pizza was so good. Though, it was very they, good. They changed it. But yeah, they were doing good for like years after that until COVID. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. All right, anyway. That's too bad. Yep. Dude, my feet smell bad. I'm going to be honest with you. I can smell I'm them. I'm glad I can't smell them. Yeah, they're not like bad, bad, but it's a hot room and I don't, I can't have my fan on. So like I feel, anyway. All right, well. You uh, want to talk about some fucked up fucking old shit? Yeah, let's, let's talk about some more mystery cults. Yeah, dude. Imagine if you will. <laughs> Imagine which there were many gods and they demanded your phallus. <laughs> yeah, wait, well we will be talking about Imagine that. if instead of fucking your car you had to I don't know, fuck a bunch of other dudes for yeah. the gods. Yeah, dude, yeah. It was rad. Well, putting your phallus within the leak you mm-hmm. know, more like yeah. Licking on these nuts, dude. Lick, licking on these nuts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. Let's start the episode. Okay. discussed the anatomy of the mystery cults of the ancient mediterranean and we discussed this in general but also of the myriad greek cults in particular uh in today's episode we'll be we will be looking at some of the quote oriental cults as walter burkert calls them so these are the cults from outside of europe and asia and north africa so owing to how far back the classical period of egypt goes literally millennia as, uh, as opposed to the Roman and Greek civilizations, which were much younger, the Egyptian cults had to deal with more outdated forms of worship and belief. And I just, I guess, uh, sort of for the listeners who don't really know like how long the Egyptian culture goes, uh, Cleopatra lived closer to today 
than she did to like the building of the ancient pyramids. Yeah, like like the Great Pyramids at Giza. Like that's <laughs> how long. Yeah, she was also Greek. Was like, yeah, yeah, she was of the Ptolemaic dynasty, but like she's closer to us today than she was to the building of the pyramids. Dude, yeah, that's um, it's it's kind of unreal how far back when you start talking about like ancient Egypt and uh, like, yeah. like Babylon and all that stuff, it's really tough to put it in perspective, like how long ago that shit was. Yeah. And like, then in the greater scheme of like human history, it's still super recent. Yeah. You know, like people <laughs> think, oh, whatever, like Jesus, you know, it's probably around that time. It's like, nah, man, that's like, that's like pretty recent. Thousands of years. Like, yeah, the yeah. building of the pyramids. Yeah. G- right. When Jesus was alive, to put this in easier perspective, I don't know if everybody knows when Cleopatra was alive, but like roughly around the same well, time. Well, the reason I like the Cleopatra one is just because everybody knows that Cleopatra was a ruler in ancient Egypt. Right, yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a totally apt. I'm just saying like for yeah. like anybody who happens to be listening who's not a, doesn't even know like when that would be. Because I think a lot of people would assume she was like a long time ago. And yeah, uh, yeah so like imagine Jesus, right? That seems a long time ago. And uh yeah, to him, that period of time was longer ago than he is to us. Yeah. I think I worded that worse. Yes, you did. I made it worse. <laughs> I made it worse. You you, you absolutely made that I made you it also, worse. It, you also, it also looked like you lost your train of thought halfway through. No, it. no, no. I'm putting on socks. <laughs> I know, but then, like, your, your eyes started, like, going with, like, this weird they stare. rolled back into my head, and Soul <laughs> yeah. Invictus took over my body. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) so anyway, uh, I'll let you run your episode. How's that sound? Okay, cool. That sounds good. (laughs) Um, So, so now that you have sort of an idea, uh, better from me, less good from Cam of how long ago. (laughs) Yeah, I could kind of sum up the show to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm the less good one, but you know, I bring a certain uh, I don't know what. (laughs) Um, So anyway. how far back the Egyptian uh, civilization goes. Now you have that idea somewhat. Um, and the Egyptian cults, uh, you know, it was believed that statues in which a divinity was depicted actually had that divinity reside within. Mm-hmm. Thus, a house, i.e. a temple, was needed for the statue and it had to be attended to by the priest or clergy. Riches were then accrued uh, through votive acts. Votive, again, as we discussed in part one, meaning an offering given in fulfillment of a vow. This is a very um, transactional uh, type of thing, these mystery cults. And a lot of, a lot of modern sects, <coughs> a lot of the older sects of existing religions still have that. I mean, look at Catholicism. Yeah. It's, it's hyper-transactionary. Transactional. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um, so... The Roman Senate, in particular, was very hostile towards the cult of Isis and routinely destroyed altars to the goddess, dating back to the time of Sulla, when a collegium of pastafaroi, originals, mm. in, uh, sorry, officials in Egyptian cults, both inside and outside of Egypt, uh, so these uh, pastafaroi could be found. Um, the Isium of Pompeii, which is an Isium is a temple of Isis, mm-hmm. uh, was actually founded in Sulla's time. It was famously under Caligula that the great temple in the Campus Martius was built. This mm. is to Isis. So the Egyptian cults stressed a relationship to Egypt itself, and therefore at least some of the priests present in performing sacrifices had to be Egyptian themselves. 
These rites included books with Egyptian hieroglyphs and sacred water from the Nile. Generally speaking, practitioners wore linen instead of wool, and so a crowd with linen clothes and shaved heads is a common way to describe the crowd of an, of an Egyptian sanctuary and like ancient sources. Mm-hmm. So actual testimonies from Miste, and the Miste is, you know, an initiate, uh, or our initiates, of Isis are especially scant outside of the novel The Golden Ass by Epuleius. In the uh, Silugre Inscriptionum by Ladislav Vidman, out of roughly 800 total inscriptions, only three are from Miste. The oldest literary source for the mysteries of Isis is Tibulus, a short-lived Latin poet from the 1st century BCE. The Sista Mystica, a small basket generally used for housing items used in mystical ceremonies, appears in some Isaiah uh, iconography dating back to the 1st century CE. We're dealing with very, very scant sources here. Mm-hmm. Like, we really just have to kind of see, like, all of these discrete things, and we know that they are from, like, Isaiah rites, and so you have to kind of piece it together, but it, it's right. very, very uh, disjointed. Which a lot of these mysteries are. There's, there's not a ton known about any of them. Right. I mean, yeah, think about it. Like, if, if during their own time they were mysterious. Mysteries. Right? Like, <laughs> there's no way we're going to have more about them now when so much yeah. has been lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of it was that once you get to the last stage, uh, you have, you go through an initiation, right, where the full mystery is revealed to you. So, oftentimes, right. you know, there's just not a lot of resources about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, think about how much, like, how much do you know about what they do in a Masonic temple down the fucking road from your house? Yeah. Right? And, like, so it's comparable. Like, the average person had no fucking idea about the, the full extent yeah. of these mysterious goings-on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in Rome and a few other places, we see about a dozen attestations of sacred persons to the cult. Hieroi, Sacri, and Sacre, among the worshippers of Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. You know, when looking into cultural relations between the Greeks and the Egyptians with respect to each other's mysteries, there seems to be some misunderstanding actually on both parts. So it's funny. For the Greeks, celebrations of Osiris were seen as being mystical as they were performed in nocturnal rituals and lamentations, and the hierarchical esotericism of the priests reinforced this interpretation. There were initiation rituals for all priests and secret rites with esoteric knowledge for the higher priests, but there was no publicly open mysteria, such as is found in the Greek mysteries. Mm. Yet for the Greeks, Egypt was the homeland of these types of mysteries, with the uh, statuettes of young Hippocrates holding his finger to his mouth being interpreted as the very symbol of mystical silence. Who's Hippocrates? Uh, That was an Egyptian god. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, this Greek, obviously the Greek name, uh, right, right, of an Egyptian god, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this Greek perspective is then in turn used as propaganda for Isis, and even Isis is given credit for Eleusis, which we discussed in episode one. Yep. Eventually, as Egyptian mysteries came to be thought of as more effective, since they were more original and difficult to gain access to than their offshoots in Greece. From this, Egyptian mysteries, such as that of Isis, began to offer personal initiation in the Greek style upon request, straight from Eleusis and Dionysus, though adapted to fit their Egyptian style. The cults of Isis and Osiris were extremely time-consuming and expensive to get into, although their festivals were attended by many. So there was this sort of Greek misinterpretation of Egyptian rituals, 
and mysteries. Mm -hmm. But then these Greek ones became the more popular ones, and that misinterpretation began to be reflected back into the authentic Egyptian ones. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <coughs> it's funny how they sort of, like, piggyback on top of each other to create yeah. this sort of thoroughly mixed... Like, syncretic. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. down to the fact that, like, you know, so many of the modern names oh. that we have for gods and stuff are, are, are Greek, Greekified, whatever Oh, the yeah, is. almost all of the names that we have, I would say, for the Egyptian gods and gods are yeah. Greek versions. Yeah, if you, oh. if you listen to, like, modern attempts at reconstructing ancient egyptian language i mean and the gods are sort of the easiest place to begin because they're they're familiar to a lot of us it's yeah. it sounds nothing like like anything that that you've yeah. heard or that you would read it's really interesting yeah yeah fun the the death metal band nile some of their lyrics are in ancient egyptian it's yeah very uh, funny to hear that over like, death metal apple to onk to cat never to snuff the cha <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's from uh, what is that? Lash to the Lash slave to stick. the slave stick. Fucking not a name that aged well, but it's it's oh. it's a uh, yeah, it's a ripper of a song. That whole album, dude, it's so good. Annihilation <laughs> of the Wicked. For those of you yeah. who are uninitiated uh, yeah. into the mystery of Nile, Annihilation of the Wicked, which is what like oh three oh four. Yeah, it's pretty old. Fucking brutal album. So that good. that one and um, what's the, what was the one that had a uh, Kafir as the opening track? That was after that, right? Yeah, that was like a 2012 or something. Is that the one that had um, uh, papyri containing the spell of no, protection no. against attacks from he who was in the he water? He was in the water. No, that that's a different one. Um, that was the also that was all that, that was iffy phallic. <laughs> yeah, iffy phallic. Yeah, I don't remember the one that has cuff here. Yeah. Um, oh, they're they're cool. They've had some cool albums. Yeah, some real yeah, stinkers some, too. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say they've had some. They've got some boring tracks, but then like when they have their tracks that rip are like yeah. all timers. Yeah. Sacrifice unto Sebek. Yeah. Amazing track. <laughs> yeah. Um Now let's get into the concept of the cult as community. Hell yeah. That sounds right. fun. Yeah. Social. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when looking into ancient mysteries, as I stressed in episode one, you must put aside the idea that these are religions mm -hmm. in the sense that Christianity or Judaism are. These are actual religions in antiquity, mm -hmm. Judaism and Christianity. The mysteries, while obviously being pagan, also play very different roles. So there's a question now that I would like to look at. Do mysteries presuppose or do they create communities? Does there need to be a community for a mystery to develop and flourish? Or does the development and flourishing of a mystery create community? According to the type of mystery studied, 
this answer ch- this answer changes. Mm-hmm. There are definitely mysteries that do not result in any kind of stable or organized community. The itinerant charismatic will move on after a time to a different region, just as people looking for help with a particular ailment may move on once that ailment has passed, feeling better than before. There is no irrevocable integration into a permanent group by either of these groups. Of course, mysteries as a rule lead to integration into a blessed chorus of celebration, resulting in a therapeutic effect. Think of the thousands of miste and apopte who get together for a blessed mystery night at Eleusis, or a skinny's leading frenzied thiasoi at Athens. However, the people get together for a single day or night for chorus, dancing and feasting, but then are disbanded. Mm. A memory remains of the sacred experience, and this can be resuscitated, but it is short-lived until the next year or otherwise the next mystical celebration. You're always chasing that first blessed chorus. Yeah. (laughs) However, in the interim, the civil life of the practitioner is unchanged. Mm. The unity of the group is an action, an experience, but not faith. There is no creed, no credo. So, some charismatics could easily develop personal clientele, but this was generally discouraged within a town or city as it could be dangerous if conspiracy was suspected. On the other hand, clergy at a sanctuary were a type of community, but a closed one as they were generally recipients of money from some benefactor and thus must live within their own means. This community was closed to new adherents unless those hearers went through some common ritual or orientation. There is the Theasus form of organization for the mystery of Dionysus. These are the retinues that spend considerable time, energy, and money for the god and their fellow initiates. This could be seen in processions through a city, a Pompeii, not the Roman city, this is spelled differently. And let me tell you, typing Pompeii, spelled P-O-M-P-A-I, was quite... (laughs) quite yeah. a fucking hassle and google try i like it just kept fucking changing i see it, it yeah it really city. didn't want you to do it no <laughs> it, it took me like five attempts just to get it to finally be like all right fine you don't mean pompeii but i think you're wrong yeah <laughs> just to be clear i'm doing this under protest yeah yes this is under duress that i'm allowing you to type this <laughs> um so these pompeii would move through a city and serve to make clear who belongs in a particular group however Always the people within mystery remain separate, private individuals with their own interesting goals. Joining and leaving a group is hardly a problem, as it is always a personal decision. So the term Adelphus, meaning brother, was used at Eleusis between those who had been initiated together, although this is used more as a clan designation than an affectionate one. Still, this sort of camaraderie and close ties of friendship that develop through hospitality within a mystery are a real and noted aspect of the cults. The mysteries, being closed groups, would of course check these tendencies of inclusivity I've mentioned. Membership was generally restricted, and even being an initiate of a mystery in one city was not good enough to be accepted in a different city as a practitioner without undergoing some initiation rite at the new locale. Oftentimes, the initiation rites were slightly different between cities. It is possible a practitioner of Isis in one city may be required to also have an initiation to Osiris within the Isaiah cult. All true mysteries have an obligation to secrecy, so the main concern is not propagation, but rather in withholding the central revelation. And so while they were attractive, they could not coalesce into a church. Sick. Yes. I mean, that's like the best part about them. (laughs) 
<laughs> what is that? Buster, would you like a candy bar? No, I'm withholding it. Look at me. Getting off. <laughs> Arrested development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right, so there were no particular creeds within the mystery cults, as are seen in Christianity and Judaism. However, some cults do prescribe certain lifestyles, such as the Orphic life, uh, referenced by authors such as Plato and Plutarch. However, with some mysteries, there was a problem even in terminology, as there was no real designation for certain cults, such as the Eleusinian and Dionysian cults. You get weird circumlocutions in Greek, such as those who have been initiated to Dionysus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, the cult of Isis is different, as we have the designations Isaiah Koi and Isaiah Kai in Greek and Latin, respectively. <clears throat> These terms were used both by insiders and outsiders. Plutarch states that the Isaiakos is made not by his shaved head and linen clothes, but rather his pious and philosophical orientation. See, again, the the linen cloth and shaved head thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So there is a funerary epigram of a priest of Isis that invokes testimony of the Isaiakoi for his pious performance of the secret ceremonies that will earn him eternal life among the blessed. And a secular example at Pompeii, now this is the city, mm-hmm. uh, to the great uh, joy of Google. Um, <laughs> some, yeah, they some, let that one slide. That's, yeah, that's they fucking, there, they no were, problem. Yeah. They were cool with that no shit. No squiggles there. Yeah. So some graffiti states, all the followers of ISIS are summoned to vote Helvius Sabinus for Adail. Nias Helvium Sabinum Adailum Azaiakai Universi Rogant. Either a religious organization organizing a vote or a sly politician appealing to the group. That reminds me of uh, that that podcast we're both listening to right now. Um, what is it? Uh, Transmissions, Transmissions from Jonetown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they go into like the good show, by the way. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. It's informative. You folks should check it out. It's definitely, especially within the first like four episodes, there's some really yeah. harrowing like audio. So yeah. if you're not familiar with uh, that whole, the People's Temple and all that, you know, whatever, no spoilers, but it didn't yeah. end well for them. Um, but yeah, they go into how much Jim Jones, especially before they moved to Guyana, how much he leveraged his followers for political reasons. And it really, yeah. it's it's funny how that's a constant. That never changes. I mean, you still hear, you know, Catholic priests giving sermons and stuff and, and really encouraging their parishioners to vote a certain way. It's very common, mm-hmm. very, very common to this day. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I had a music teacher, uh, in grade school. I uh, I must have been in elementary school, and she got fired for this. But this so this was around two thousand mm-hmm. for that election uh, between Gore and Bush. Yeah, and she like sat and she was a music teacher, and she sat down like all of her classes mm-hmm. and told us that we need to uh, implore our parents to vote for Bush because Gore wants to kill babies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was a very, very Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I remember her. Uberstrombahnfuhrer uh, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> she was really a great, great flautist. Um, but yeah, so like she you know, uh, tried to like convince all of the kids to tell them. I don't know why she thought this would go over well. Told all the kids that yeah, like, Gore wanted to kill babies and that we need to tell. She was literally telling us to tell our parents to... Um, vote for a bush and yeah she got her ass fired real quick from that well that's the whole thing it's like if you're gonna do that if you're gonna get she obviously was sounds to me like she was losing it yeah 
like losing touch because I mean the first what you're doing is literally saying like I'm gonna say something inappropriate to you go home and tell your parents yeah you know so some some parent immediately is gonna be like yeah that's fucked I'm gonna make a phone call about that one <laughs> yeah yeah you know that's that's fucked I don't yep. need my kid to learn how to play the timpani that bad yeah yep she was very Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, no Catholic shit. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. I don't know why the first thing I thought to compare it to was a Nazi, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nope. Uh, yeah, as you could guess, she was very Catholic. I'm mm-hmm. from a very Catholic area. Uh, yeah, but didn't go over well. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, of particular note when discussing the mysteries and differentiation from religions is that these cults are not mutually exclusive. There's no excommunication, no jealous, no, excuse me, no jealousy between gods. It is quite likely that one would find dedications to other gods and shrines dedicated to one in particular. The Egyptian mysteries themselves quite often feature priests of Demeter along with Isis and or Osiris. Yeah, that's, and that's a cool thing, like sort of like what we were talking about before, that's that cultural syncretism, um, which Mm -hmm. was really big in the Mediterranean world, which is like, it wasn't even just like, you could be devoted to other gods in the same pantheon. I think what mm-hmm. Evan's getting at is like you could be yeah. devoted to other gods from fucking anywhere. Yeah, you know. And the idea was the like, gods were not jealous. <laughs> no, right. Like there was no notion among the general public. I'm sure some people mm-hmm. felt differently that like one particular culture group's gods existed and others didn't. It's like oh mm-hmm. god, so the Egyptian gods probably exist too, and or they're just like aspects of our own gods, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? It was a very loosey-goosey, very very Unitarian Universalist approach to uh, yeah. theology back then, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I'll talk about this later too, but there's a particular Anatolian goddess that when, uh, you know, the Romans are marching east and conquering there, they come across her, and they're just like, yeah, fucking bring her in. Yeah. Let's do it. She seems rad, uh-huh. man. And then she's, and then she became a very major goddess in the, uh, um, in Rome. Yeah. But, you know, from Anatolia. Right. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah, so where, okay. That, of course, was the goddess Christine, uh, who was the goddess of, uh, of spaghetti and meatballs, which then went on to become a very popular Italian dish. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, famous. Christine, the, the goddess of a spaghetti and mo- meatballs. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, it is especially with Isis that we see this multiplicity of gods, uh, or, or of names with the god, and there are degrees of proximity and familiarity with the god based on what names are known. He or she who knows the names and the particular rituals has a closer relationship with Isis. Also in the Isaic initiation rites, one swears to Isis upon the gods that they adore. This means that by swearing to the gods most close to them, they are more fully open, uh, opening up their hearts to Isis. This is quite literally the opposite of conversion. You are not forsaking your previous gods. You're not forsaking that which is known and comfortable to you. Right. But rather invoking your dedication upon them to show your dedication to the new god mm-hmm. and how, how much stronger that dedication grows. Uh, and all of the ancient mysteries did not bestow upon a community like Judaism or Christianity did. The entire concept of educating children based on religious teachings would have been patently ridiculous. And for instance, the cult of Mithras did not even permit women, as it was essentially a men's club acting in opposition to a man's role in the family. Mithras is a very dude's rock uh, mystery religion <laughs> or mystery cult. Yeah. Um, 
These were really just personal clubs, more or less, or practitioners who each chose to take part and for how long and how much. Um, there was no pressure by any community to partake. And this I'm is thinking also of a- like, uh, do you remember the South Park episode from like a few years ago when Randy joins like the PC bro fraternity? No. And oh my god, it's so funny! And like he like comes home, he's like completely fucking hungover in the morning, and his oh, wife I is know, like, "I, I joined a uh, a social action committee devoted to uh, the furthering of, you know, politically correct whatever." She's like, <laughs> yeah. "Was there drinking at this meeting? They uh, served refreshments. Refreshments. Yes. <laughs> I I had some refreshments. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've been getting away with horrible things, Sharon. Having labs that lift privileged people and thinking it was harmless." Our group is trying to be a civilizing influence where we discuss and have meetings to better define and reinforce tolerance and acceptance of all groups of people. Hmm. And do they have booze at these meetings? Uh, they serve refreshments, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, so I, I will say... Uh, this is also a refutation of anyone in the modern day who claims to participate in these pagan cults. Uh, something that has really become in vogue in the last couple decades. Yeah. You know, these cults died when they were outlawed in 391, 392 CE, as they could literally only exist in practice through the ancient minds and through these ancient social circles. They could not go underground, and so they died 1,600 years ago. So, like, you, you, you know, you'll see certain types of people say that, you know, I don't know, they're pagan or, you know, Celtic gods or... Yeah. Uh, or the Norse gods, um, and all that stuff that they, that they, you know, practice this religion. But the thing is, they don't actually believe them. And this isn't like an actual, like, the religion still existing. Or these mysteries still existing. Like, it's impossible. It is impossible nowadays to, like, be somebody who honestly believes. Like, if you watch the movie, um, The Northman. Sure. That honestly believes that they need to avenge their father. In order to get into Valhalla. Right. Like, that is, like, you know what I mean? That's there might be that some honestly... people that buy into it pretty closely, but, like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm with you. I think that I most mean, people, yeah. it's, like, a, it's a club. It's a yeah. It's a way to identify. And I mean, I think, yeah. first off, like, people referring to themselves as pagans is, is pretty hysterical, right? Because that yeah, term exactly. in and of itself is, like, a, a, a later <laughs> phraseology used to describe something which was other than which was like outlawed which was essentially negative and uh i've never understood that it's like you're literally using you know for 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 lack of a better term you're using like christian phraseology to describe what you are like it's it's silly well see that's the exact so that's kind of like what i'm getting at is that you can never recreate the of being brought up within a world right that that was considered normal Exactly. Like, even their concept of paganism is coded by the Christian upbringing. Right, right. It's a thoroughly neo-pagan... Yeah, you literally cannot recreate the experience of honestly... Of chopping your fucking dick off. Yeah. Or your balls off in some exultation of... like this Like, ecstatic exultation in this, like, festival called the Day of Blood. You cannot, because these people... I can do it. (laughs) <laughs> like don't t- don't like, say i couldn't do it dude i could do it but like the ecstasy that these people were in when they were doing these things because they were becoming one with the god yeah it's, i've like, done these ecstasy are just, i could cut these my are off. just like nerds that 
think pagan gods are cool. Yeah, no, it really is Which that. Fine, though. right? And that in a, like, I guess, I guess, I just want to say, like, I don't think we should knock that because, like, I'm glad no, that fine. those fucking weirdos are out there too. Like, I'm, I'm cool saying, if you want to try they, to like bring this shit back. Believe, chop them balls off. Yeah, fucking hot knife to the balls. Yeah, strangle your daughter and drown her in a bog. Blood. If you, yeah. you want to tell me that you're a Celtic pagan, I want to see you fucking murder one of your kids in a, yeah. in, and drown her in a bog. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> we are officially on this show sanctioning that. We are not officially sanctioning. Yeah. Her. I mean, we are, but like, yeah, no, I mean, we're not. But we are, Satire, though. Satire. Yeah. Parody. <laughs> <laughs> Satirically speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, all I'm saying is if I see if I see that you guys are uh, an unbogged kid, if I see anybody wearing like an Ankh or like an Eye of Horus, yeah. and you haven't performed an opening of the mouth ceremony, yeah, sorry, but like that's it, you're you're whack. Yeah, marry your sister, dude. Prove it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, fucking do it, man. Marry marry your sister, bro. Let's speaking of onks and sister marrying, let's get into the Egyptian mystery. What we've titled that good shit. <laughs> yeah. Sister wives. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, yeah. Um, so, for the purposes of the title of this episode, I'm calling these mysteries the Eastern mysteries, but they are more what uh, Burkert calls the Oriental mysteries, and they hail from Anatolia and Western Asia which is roughly modern-day Turkey and Syria, mm-hmm. as well as Egypt, obviously in North Africa, and about as far east as eastern Greece and Anatolia. So this area is historically referred to as the Near East with regards to the term the Orient. Mm-hmm. So the Orient uh, refers, uh, historically speaking, to Asia as a whole. You have the Near East, the Middle East, and the Far East. Now, this is the antecedent to the term the Occident, which is the historical term for the Western world. Yeah, so we're not talking about reasons, this in the way that, like, fucking modern racist people yeah, so, will say, like, ah, oh, these, you know, the word oriental or whatever. Like, this, these yeah. are, like, old terms meaning just, yes. like, the closer world and the further world. Yeah. So, for obvious reasons, as Cam was just saying, oh, sorry. I wanted to shy away from that term in the title. But, historically speaking, that's what we're talking about. 
But just so we're all on the same page, while the term is generally considered pejorative in common American uses today, it does have an actual legitimate historical usage. And that is the one I mean when I use the term oriental here. I'll cut myself stealing your thunder out of the show. No, no, no. You can. No, nah, I'm going to cut it out, dude. <laughs> Um, so, with that out of the way, the main Egyptian mysteries are of Isis, Osiris, and their divine family. Isis is a mother goddess possessing incredible magical power, and she is closely identified with the royal throne of the pharaoh. In hieroglyphs, her name, Seat, is the throne, and she guarantees an orderly succession of pharaohs. Osiris is the brother and husband of Isis, and his regenerative powers in, in, enable the Egyptian land watered by the Nile to be fertile and productive of crops. Really, the Nile itself is almost like a god mm -hmm. in this Egyptian pantheon. Um, Osiris is often depicted as a mummy in linen wrappings with a crown upon his head and the, royals, and the symbols of royal sovereignty, the crook and the flail, in his hands as he is the deceased pharaoh who vacates the throne and functions as ruler in the underworld. He also usually has like green zombie skin, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's very cool looking. Uh, in ancient in Egyptian mythology, Osiris is killed by his brother Set or Seth, but his uh, but his brother Horus defeats Seth, thus succeeding his dead father and ensuring the continuity of Egyptian life. You mean his son Horus? Oh, did I put brother? Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. his son Horus. So yep. Osiris' son uh, defeats, Horus defeats his brother, Seth. his uncle yeah. Seth. Right, gotcha. Yeah, um, thus succeeding his dead father and ensuring the continuity of Egyptian life. Isis, with help from Thoth, Horus, Anubis, and Nephthys, then used their magical powers to mummify Osiris and restore him to life. So these Egyptian mysteries are quite different from the Greek mysteries we discussed in the previous episode. These mysteries are depicted as mystery plays of succession, in which the rites dramatized mythologically the death of one pharaoh and the accession of another, with both rulers being related to and united with one another, even in death. There is also the mystery play of succession with the funerary ritual of mummification and burial. Having gone through the proper burial rites, one could be joined in mystical union with Osiris in the afterlife. Initially reserved only for royals, eventually nobility, and even the common people could hope for spiritual resurrection. Nice. That must have been like kind of fucked up if you're like, like an old kingdom pharaoh in, mm -hmm. in the afterlife, and then like a few thousand years later, a bunch of like dirty like Greek common people living in like northern Egypt just to like start appearing too and you're just like what the fuck yeah man yeah dude I guess Must I'll just let anybody in here now yeah oh look what the cat I'll tell you in. what in my father's time this never would have been allowed to stand yeah look what Bastet dragged in membership here used <laughs> to mean something yeah so by the Hellenistic period which you know we've discussed this many times in the the history of this podcast, but this is the period of Alexander the Great's rule mm -hmm. up until the Roman rule of Greece. <clears throat> the Egyptian mysteries had already firmly established themselves in the Greek world, and they would eventually become influential and ingrained within the Roman world, too. As I've said before, the Emperor Caligula himself would build the Temple of Isis in Rome. So Apuleius gives a description of the mystery rites in Book 11 of his Golden Ass. I approached the confines of death, 
I trod the threshold of Proserpine, and borne through the elements I returned. At midnight I saw the sun shining in all his glory. I approached the god below and the gods above, and I stood beside them, and I worshipped them. It is likely that the experience of beholding the light in the darkness may have been prompted by priests manipulating torches at key points in the ritual. However, the experience of seeing the sun is entirely consistent with the ancient descriptions of the realm of death, particularly Egyptian myths. For the Egyptians, the sun would travel through the underworld at night, and so a person who has entered the underworld could greet the sun, as well as other deities, and worship there. So the 4th century Christian author Firmicus Maternus shed some additional light upon the mysteries of Isis and Osiris in Roman antiquity. According to Maternus, devotees of Isis and Osiris cry out, Hirokamen Sinkeromen, We have found! We rejoice together! This cry was sung in exaltation during the Inventio Osiridis in Rome in November, known as the, the Finding of Osiris. The devotees share in the experience of Isis as she finds the body of Christ, of oh Christ, the body of Osiris. <laughs> and well, hey, him. that's actually not a terrible, I mean, anyway. Yeah, we, yes, we will actually get into that a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so another description by Materinus, although some scholars contend it may be from the mystery of Attis, but it corresponds to Isis and Osiris, so some disagreement, mm -hmm. um, is of worshippers mourning over a prone statue before light is carried into the place, and the priest anoints the th anoints the throats of the mourners while whispering, Be of good cheer, O initiates, for the god is saved, and we shall have salvation from our woes. Owing to how popular the Egyptian mysteries of Isis were in the Roman world, the worship of Isis uh, shaped the veneration of the Virgin Mary in Christian circles. Both are blessed mothers who are claimed queens of heaven, linked to the moon, and were often portrayed with their sons sitting formally on their laps. So, my uh, Freudian slip before maybe uh, preempted <laughs> this part. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will now read from an Isis eritology from Kaimi and Anatolia, and it is, comp it is copied from Esteli in Memphis, Egypt. So an eritology is a narrative of the miracles of a god or hero, and this one dates from the 2nd century CE. Demetrius, son of Artemidorus, and Thracius, the Magnesian from the Meander, craved the blessing of Isis. The following was copied from the Steli, which is in Memphis, where it stands before the temple of Hephaestus. I am Isis, the mistress of every land, and I was taught by Hermes, and with Hermes I devised letters, both the sacred hieroglyphs and the demotic, that all things might not be written with the same letters. I gave and ordained laws for men, which no one is able to change. I am eldest daughter of Kronos. I am wife and sister of King Osiris. I am she who findeth fruit for men. I am mother of King Horus. I am she that riseth in the dog star. I am she that is called goddess by woman. For me was the city of Bubastus built. I divided the earth from the heaven. I showed the paths of the stars. I ordered the course of the sun and the moon. I devised business in the sea. I made strong the right. I brought together woman and man. I appointed to woman to bring to their infants to birth in the tenth month. I ordained that parents should be loved by children. I laid punishment upon those disposed without natural affection toward the parents. 
I made with my brother Osiris an end to the eating of men. I revealed mysteries unto men. I taught men to honor images of the gods. I consecrated the precincts of the gods. I broke down the governments of tyrants. I made an end to murders. I compelled women to be loved by men. I made the right to be stronger than gold and silver. I ordained that the true should be thought good. I devised marriage contracts. I assigned to Greeks and barbarians their languages. I made the beautiful and the shameful to be distinguished by nature. I ordained that nothing should be more feared than an oath. I have delivered the plotter of evil against other men into the hands of the one he plotted against. I established penalties for those who practice injustice. I decreed mercy to suppliants. I protect or honor righteous guards. With me the right prevails. I am the queen of rivers and winds and sea. No one has held an honor without my knowing it. I am the queen of war. I am the queen of the thunderbolt. I stir up the sea and I calm it. I am the rays of the sun. I inspect the courses of the sun. Whatever I please, this too shall come to an end. With me, everything is reasonable. I set free those in bonds. I am the queen of seamanship. I make the navigable unnavigable when it pleases me. I create the walls of cities. I am called the lawgiver, Thesmophorus. I brought up islands out of the depths into the light. I am lord of rainstorms. I overcome fate. Fate hearkens to me. Hail, O Egypt, that nourished me. I just thought that was cool. Yeah, it's super cool. She's, does a lot of stuff. It's busy. Yeah, yeah. She very, very busy. Highly of herself. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyway, it sounds. It sounds. Uh. It sounds like that's that's justified though. Yeah. For, yeah. For, if that's uh, true, man. Whew, yeah. Big if true. Yeah. I mean, she invented the walls of cities. She she ended cannibalism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With me, everything is reasonable. I yeah, like I liked that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Something tells me you can probably get pretty unreasonable, but uh, yeah, no, hey, right. you know, hey, who we'll, we'll, yeah. might say? It, then she like falls up with, "I make the navigable unnavigable when, when I choose." Me. Yeah, <laughs> with me, everything is reasonable. Yeah, but like, also, uh, if yeah, I so want to fuck with you, I'll just do it. Yeah, but reasonably. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I will also read from an Isis love spell from the great uh, magical papyrus of Paris. This spell could be used for gaining a lover and was originally written in Coptic, which is an e Egyptian language. Uh, the Copts are like Egyptian Christians. Christians. Yeah. yeah, it's actually the, the last surviving remnant of like ancient Egyptian as a modern language. It's uh, mm -hmm. used yeah. almost exclusively as an ecclesiastical language by modern Egyptian Coptic Christians. In yeah. the same way that Latin is in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, mm -hmm. Most of these people speak Egyptian Arabic in their day-to-day -day life, but they'll learn mm -hmm. Coptic, which is written in the Greek alphabet, but it is uh, an ancient Semitic language that is a descendant of ancient Egyptian. It's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. So the first part of the spell contains the story of Isis leaving uh, I Osiris leaving Isis for Nephthys, and Isis's subsequent use of magic to make Osiris come back to her. And the second part is simply a spell. One can use to attract a lover. Okay, so get your pens and paper out now, yep. fellas. Yes, this is how we're gonna yeah, fellas, attract this is ourselves you know. a a nice female. You know, a get get off of your uh, Andrew Tate uh, vibe because this is the yep. real way and get to be your... a high value man. Yeah, and get on that Isis shit. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Isis is the one who comes from the mountain at midday in summer, the dusty maiden. Her eyes are full of tears, and her heart is full of sighs. Her father Thoth the Great came in 
uh, the great came in unto her and asked her, O oh, my daughter Isis, dusty maiden, why are your eyes full of tears, your heart full of sighs, and uh, of your garment soiled? It's missing what's actually supposed to be there, and the something of your garment soiled. Away with the tears of your eyes, she said to him. He is not with me, O oh, my father, Aphthoth, Aphthoth. My father, I have been betrayed by my female companion. I have discovered a secret. Yes, Nephthys is having intercourse with Osiris. Again, something's missing. My brother, my own mother's son. He said to her, Behold, this is adultery against you, O my daughter Isis. She said to him, It is adultery against you, O my father, Aphthoth, Aphthoth, my father. It is pregnancy proper for me myself. He said to her, Arise, O my daughter Isis, and go to the south to Thebes, to the north of Abydos. There are, again, missing, those who trample, question mark, if that's what that actually is there. Take for yourself Belf, son of Belf, <laughs> the one whose foot is of bronze and whose heels are of iron, that he forge for you a double iron nail with a, again, it's missing, head, a thin base, a strong point, and light iron. Bring it before me, dip it in the blood of Osiris, and hand it over. We, once again, something's missing, this mysterious flame to me. Every flaming, every cooking, every heating, every steaming, and every sweating that you will cause in this flaming stove, you cause in the heart, in the liver, the area of the navel, and in the belly of NN, whom NN has borne. I'm not sure what NN is supposed to be. <laughs> Until I bring her to the house of NN, whom NN is born, and she puts what is in your hand into my hand, what is in her mouth into my mouth, what is in her belly onto my belly, what is in your female parts onto my male parts. Quickly, quickly, immediately, immediately, rise up to the kings of Akha, speak the truth, and Aupuk, whose god after NM, who NN has born, and I shall send her to be with NN, who NN has born. For I am two son of two, I am, uh, I am the it upon King Osiris, King Osiris Onophorus, who rouses the whole earth that you may arouse the heart of Enen, whom Enen has born, that I may know what is in her heart for me, for uh, whom has born on this day. If a large amount of saliva forms in your mouth as you speak, understand that she is distressed and wants to talk with you. If you yawn frequently, she wants to come to you. If you sneeze two times or more, she is in good health and is returning to where she lives. If you have a headache and are crying, she is distressed or even dying. Rise up to heaven and arouse the high one after the noble one. Rise up to the abyss and arouse Thoth after Naven. Arouse the heart of these two bulls, Hapai and Nuis. Arouse the heart of Osiris after Isis. Arouse, uh, arouse Ray after the light. Arouse the heart of Enan, whom Enan has born, after Enan, who Enan has born. Say these things on behalf of women. But when you are speaking about women, then speak conversely so as to arouse the females after the males. When she drinks, when she eats, when she has intercourse with someone else, I will bewitch her heart. I will bewitch the heart of her. I will bewitch her breath. I will bewitch her 365 members. I will bewitch her inner part. Wherever I desire until she comes to me and I know what is in her heart, what she does, and of what she thinks. Quickly, quickly, immediately, immediately. Fellas, with this one simple trick, you too can get laid. Yeah, man. Now any guy can get any girl. Yeah, with this one simple trick. Yeah, try try not to come. <laughs> <laughs> try not to come challenge. Dude. Oh man, I lose that game every day. <laughs> I try to get myself with it every day, and I just keep on losing.
Oh, all right. Uh, so those are the Egyptian mysteries. Um, now let's travel to Anatolia. So the region of Anatolia, known as Phrygia, lies in the central highlands. This mountainous region is home to fierce religious traditions. For the ancient mysteries, this means the cults of Dionysus, Sabasios, Magna Mater, the Great Father, mm-hmm. and her lover Attis. It is also from this region that the Christian prophetic movement, known as Montanism, arose with similar levels of enthusiasm and ecstasy, at least as far as ancient Christianity uh, can go with such. Ancient Christianity, pretty famously, not that fun. No, yeah, it's super not chill. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, Catholicism and um, Orthodoxy were like the most fun ones, yeah. just because those were the ones that didn't try to tell you not to have sex mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, so some of the early ones, it was just straight up like, yeah, having children is evil. Obviously, those ones didn't last too long. Yeah, dude, I, I could never be an ancient Christian, man, because I just like be, a Gnostic or a I Manichaeist. Just be, I just be fucking, dude. Yeah, just like, straight just fucking all the time, bro. Yeah. So anyway, Montanism—it's a, a heretic Christian movement. It's very Orthodox Christian um, in terms of like the other Christianity at the time. It just believed that there could be new prophets mm-hmm. that Jesus wasn't last. So heresy. Um, yeah. Uh, so Kybele or Kybel, also known as Kybib. And Cybele uh, is the great mother of Anatolia, worshipped in Phrygia and Lydia in western Anatolia. She is a mother goddess of fertility that was evidenced in untamed forests and mountains and was often portrayed with a tambourine and wearing a towered, a towered mural crown while accompanied by lions. She was welcomed into the Roman pantheon in 204 BCE mm. and would grow in prominence to a Roman national goddess. The Roman emperors would increasingly favor her worship, beginning in the 1st century CE with Claudius, and beginning with the 2nd century, the empire would become more and more familiar with the exotic festivals. The eunuch priests known as the Galli, the uh, Metragatai, which are mendicant uh, priests, mendicant just meaning beggar, of uh, Magna Mater, and the uh, Torobolia of the celebrations of Kybel and Attis. So Torobolia is a uh, really, like, gory ritual slaughter of bulls isn't that where you like stand under it and like the blood comes down on you like they show in in the show rome hmm, i'm not sure actually hmm. look that up right now yeah there's that scene in in like the first or second episode of rome where atia of the julii like has a bull mm-hmm. slaughtered and she's under it and like gets like completely bathed in its blood and it's like really fucked yeah. up description um Oh no! Looks like they're <coughs> covered by platform pranks, pierced with fine holes, on which a bull, magnificent with flowers and gold, is slain. The blood rains through the platform onto the priest below, who receives it on his face. So yep, and even on his tongue and the palate. Mm-hmm. And after the baptism, presents himself before his fellow worshippers, purified and regenerated. So yeah, you baptize yourself with a bull. That's Damn. awesome. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I would. I would. That sounds great. Yeah, Torah bullium. Nice, dude. <coughs> um, yeah, so anyway, um, the most well-known Roman festival celebrating Anatolian deities was in March and the spring that began to take shape during the first century CE. The festival would begin uh, on March 15th, so it's pouring out for our man, Caius Julius Kaiser. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and would begin with reed bearers carrying their reeds into the sanctuary. 
Uh, this may have symbolized the story of Kybel and Attis, as the baby Attis was abandoned on the side of a river, or it may have symbolized his self-castration later in life. Nice, dude. So the next several days of the, fe- of the festival were celebrated by fasting from bread, wine, and other food, and abstaining from sex. On March 22nd, the tree bearers carried into the sanctuary a pine tree that was freshly cut and decorated with ornaments and an image of Addis. On that day and the following, the worshippers oh, worshippers mourned over the tree for commemorated the death of Addis. According to the myth, Addis castrated himself and died under a pine tree and was identified with a tree. You can probably guess what's going on next for these worshippers. Hmm. Uh, March 24th was the Day of Blood, wherein fanatical celebrants flogged themselves until they bled and sprinkled their blood upon the image and the altars of the sanctuary. Some even imitated Addis by castrating themselves in this, like, insane exultation. Like, just, like, pure ecstasy. Yeah. Uh, and it's they like, that's it it's coming off done <laughs> with the like, balls yeah, dude, dude. <laughs> some of them would even emasculate themselves fully so that's full dick emasculation and balls. dick and balls yeah. yep that rules dude i yep. i have nothing but respect for anybody willing to cut off dick and balls that that's awesome yeah just awesome, or dude. or or the dick only castration yeah i mean I, on a, that's the one i've said on this show before yeah, that's the that's one the i would do one. I would leave my balls. Yeah, I would just. You cut want off you my want to dick. have the desire to fuck, but not the ability. Yeah, dude, that's how you really. <laughs> that's how you really like torture yourself. Yeah, just. And then you just have you... like a little nub, and like, like getting off. It's it's like if you ever played the game Golden Tea. Well, you probably can't get off at all because you don't have the, the head. No, I bet it's like Golden Tea. You know, there's like a little I th- I knob, think you just and you have just like kind of little... roll it. I think you just have like a little tube that's inserted to connect it to the so urethra. You get a, you so get a, you get a sounding rod, and you. <laughs> um, anyway, these painful and dramatic acts allowed the adherents to identify with the passion and death of Addis. The Hilaria on March 25th brought renewed joy and cheer, as feasting was performed in the honor of the Great Mother. Now that gentlemen, now that your balls and some of your dicks are gone, uh, it's that's time one to of those things you regret the next day. You're definitely like fuck. Oh, dude. Just yeah, just wait, just wait. No, um, I was at the I was at the celebration of of Atia, and I everybody else was doing it. I cut my cold dick and balls off. I'm, oh, God they told it. me not to do the dick, but I don't know. The knife was hot and ready. Yeah, the balls <laughs> came off so easy. I just I took the dick off too. Yeah. Um. So, uh, all right. So in uh, some late fourth century celebrations, there were affirmations of the resurrection of Attis. The Spring Festival closed with a day of rest on March 26th, and a final day on March 27th, wherein the holy image of the Great Mother was bathed in the Almo River just south of Rome. Mm-hmm. So the precise nature of the actual mysteries of Kybel and Attis, and their relationship to the March Festival, are unknown. Um, however, Clement of Alexandria cites a symbol on, I have eaten from the drum. I have drunk from the symbol. Hmm. I have carried the dish. <laughs> I have stolen into the inner chamber. <laughs> uh, so the actual meaning of the last two lines is vague. Yeah. Uh, some scholars have taken the last word pastos to mean wedding chamber, attributing it to the wedding of Addis and Kybel. Firmicus Maternus suggests two other possible interpretations. I have learned the secrets of religion, and I have become an initiate 
of Attis. All three of these options are vague, and deliberately so. It was after a ritual meal that the initiate would participate in the holiest of ceremonies within a secret inner chamber and thus become a true mystique. Mm. All right, so our main man, Catalyst. You know him. <laughs> you love him. <laughs> One of my favorite perverts in history. Yeah. Uh, he's composed many poems, some of which are really... Um, uh, but in the first century BCE, he composed one about a person named Attis and his castration. Attis, in the madness of ecstasy, emasculates himself with a sharp flint and becomes Notha Mulier, a counterfeit woman. The next morning, Attis recalls the bloody deed and bemoans their fate. Addis then becomes a slave of the crate. As you said before, you're like, fuck, man, I really did that shit. Addis then becomes a slave uh, of the great mother and lives their life with Sybil. Catalyst then prays that the fate of Addis and the Galli that emulate Addis does not befall him. So, and uh, a left unread first. Let's read from Catalyst. Yeah, Catalyst rules. Dude, Catalyst is This so is good. awesome. I can't believe we've never... Are you sure we've never... Even in our Rome episodes, we've never... I mean, I think we've mentioned... Is it Catalyst 14? Maybe. When it starts with, uh, I, will, uh, I will sodomize you and face fuck you. Yeah, we might have mentioned it. It definitely <laughs> it's so. come up many times in our in our personal discussions. Yes. <laughs> so, carried in a fast ship over profound seas, Addis, eager and hurried, reached the Phrygian Grove, the goddess's dark places crowned with woodland, and there, exalted by amorous rage, his mind gone, he cut off his testicles with a sharp flint. She then, aware of her limbs without the man, while the ground was still spotted with fresh blood, quickly took in her snowy hands tambourine, such as serves your initiate's sibyl instead of a trumpet. And shaking the hollow calf hide with delicate fingers, quivering, she began to sing to the troop this, Go together, Vodorasses, to the high groves of Sybil. Go together, wandering herd of the Lady of Dindimus. Quick into exile, you look for foreign places. And, following me and the rule I had adopted, you bore with the salt tide and the violence of the high sea. And emasculated your bodies from too much hatred of Venus. Delight the lady's mind with your errant haste. Overcome your reluctance. Together, go to the Phrygian shrine of Sybil to her groves, where the voice of cymbals sounds, the tambourines rattle, where the Phrygian piper sings with a deep curved pipe, where maenads wearing ivy throw back their heads, where they practice the sacred rites with sharp yells, where they flutter around the goddess's cohort. It is there we must go with our rapid dances. <laughs> As Addis, the counterfeit woman, sang this to her companions, the choir howled suddenly with tumultuous tongues. The tambourine bellows, the cymbals clash again. The swift troops move off of Ida with hurrying feet. Crazy, panting, drifting at her last gasp, Addis with her tambourine leads them through the opaque groves. Like an unbroken heifer refusing the yoke, the swift Votoraces followed their swift-footed leader. When they reach Sival Shrine, feeble and worn, from too much toil they take their rest without bread. Sleep covers their eyes with a heavy blanket. Their rabid madness subsides to a girlish quiet. But when the golden sun with its streaming eyes purified the white sky, hard land, wild sea, and drove away the shadows of night with his thundering horses, Addis was aroused, and sleep went quickly from her. 
back to the trembling arms of the goddess Pasithea. Then, from her girlish quiet with no hurrying madness, Addis remembered what she had done, and saw in her lucid mind what was missing and where she was. Tempetuously, she turned back to the shore there, looking at the open sea with tearful eyes. With grief in her voice, she addressed her native land. Land which begot me, land which brought me forth, I am abject to abandon you like a runaway slave. My feet have carried me to the groves of Ida, to be among snow and the cold lairs of wild beasts. I shall visit their violent haunts, where, O oh my land, can I imagine you are. My eye desires you, and narrows as it turns toward you in the short interval when my mind is unfrenzied. Shall I be carried to the forest from my far-off home, away from country, goods, fam friends, family, from the forum, palestra, racecourse, and gymnasium? There is nothing for me but misery. What shape is there that I have not had? A woman now, I have been man, youth, and boy. I was athlete, the wrestler. There were crowds around my door. My fan slept on the doorstep. There were flowers all over the house. When I left my bed at sunrise, shall I be waiting uh, made to the gods, the slave of Cybele? I amended, I a part of myself, impotent? Shall I live above the snow line on green Ida? Shall I pass my life under the rocky pearls of Phrygia, where the doe runs in the woods, where the boar mooches in the glade? I regret now, now, what I have done. I repent of it now. As these words hurried away from her pink lips, bringing a new message to the ears of the gods, Cybele, letting her lions off the leash, and urging forward the beast on the left hand, said, Get on, be fierce, see that he's driven mad. Make him insane enough to return to the forest. He has had the impertinence to want to be out of my power. Come on, lash away, uh, lash around with your tail till you hurt yourself. Make the whole neighborhood ring with your bellowing roar. Be fierce, shake the red mane on your muscular neck. Thus the threatening Sybil, and she wound the leash around her head. The beast stirs up his courage and rouses himself to fury. He is off, he roars, he breaks up the undergrowth. When he came to the wet sand on the whitening shore and saw tender Addis by the waters of the sea, he charged Addis, mad, flew into the wild woods. There for the rest of her life she lived as a slave. Great goddess, goddess Cybele, goddess lady of Dindymus, may all your fury be gone from my house. Incite the others, go. Drive other men mad. Yeah, that rules. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> those are the Eastern uh, mysteries of Egypt and Anatolia. Yeah, dude. Lock up your dicks, boys, because they yeah. are in Lock danger. them dicks down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're fucking ripping dicks away dicks, out here. Yeah. Dicks on lockdown, fellas. Yeah. We're, this is a code. This is a code. Code, code red.
Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, you've got the next episode for Aztecs. For- I'm not doing Aztecs for the next episode. I'm taking a break from Aztecs because oh, okay. it's been so fucking much and I want to do something else. And uh, yeah, I'm going to come back to Aztecs. I'm working on part uh, four, which should be the final part, but it's so much work. And uh, mm-hmm. I had already talked about, I had already started my episode for um, next week. So next week we're going to talk a little bit about our our friends over in CERN in Switzerland. Okay. And yep. uh, some of the colorful theories that surround that scientific ex- establishment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to give anything um, away, but there's a lot of people out there thinking a lot of cool shit about <laughs> what's going down at CERN. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so that'll be next time. And then after that, yeah. I finally get to the cult of Mithras. Yeah. Uh, and this may actually be multiple episodes I spend on Mithras. Uh, a sub-series within a series. Oh my god, dude. Our series <laughs> are getting so serious. We got sub-series. Yeah. We got a couple books on Mithras right here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sweet. The amount of money I spend on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude. I just bought a ton of books. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm working on... My next long one is going to be... I'm going to start doing some World War II history shit. Yeah. We're going to do a little series on D-Day. And yeah. uh, the, uh, the the background behind that, all the super fun uh, behind-the-scenes shady political dealings and the, uh, the, the French resistance and then the invasion of Normandy, which is like a batshit wild time. And, like, Mm -hmm. despite all of the shady dealings and the insanity behind it, like, maybe the last time anybody can make any sort of meaningful argument for, like, a benevolent, uh, as close as you can come to, like, a benevolent cause for war, you know? And uh, even that, like, I mean, we'll definitely, we'll dive into that, because even that, it's hardly, like, a cut-and-dry scenario, but... Yeah, well, I I also think it's funny, too, at least with D-Day, it's like, D-Day gets, like, all the love... But, like, yeah. meanwhile, just, like, not even, like, a thousand miles away, there's just the Soviets are just being mulched apart. Well, while, that's a huge while, part like, of it, yeah. working to Berlin. Like, yeah. It was the Soviets that got to Berlin, too. Yeah. Like, no, that's, D-Day that's... was really more of just, like, a feint. We're, we're, like... Listen, okay, pal, <laughs> this is not a communist podcast, so despite your attempts. <laughs> um, no, I know, but, yeah, so that's actually a huge part of it, too, because that's going to probably be a whole episode part of the whole thing with d-day was like stalin was like when is it gonna happen you keep saying you're gonna do it and then you don't do it (laughs) and and the the allies were not ready not ready yet joey and he was just like okay but like this is starting to get a little frustrating dying by the million i don't know if you've noticed this (laughs) we're like the only people in this fight right now yeah it's the whole thing is fascinating i uh I don't know, but like I mean, let's be real. The logistics behind D-Day are fucking bananas, and it is oh, really yeah, interesting. It, is, yeah. it was it was like really impressive and 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 kind of oh, unbelievable. Like yeah. even like up to like the day that it happened, Eisenhower was just like, "Yes, this isn't gonna fucking work." <laughs> like everybody was like, "There's no fucking way." And so it is pretty. It is pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll do plenty of other stuff about other theaters of that that silly silly yeah. time in Europe. Yeah, I do plan. I think sometime this year I'll do um an episode or two on um drug usage in the third reich oh that's a, yeah that's such a cool topic so we'd all i'd also like to maybe this is something we could collab on but i'd love to do a, a stalingrad episode because that's yeah. like far and away just like the most insane that's, uh, part of that whole war. so um so when i was in high school 
there was one year where they had um they they did a uh, some kind of MCAS, but it was like this one that didn't count towards like anything. It was like the first year they did it. Yeah, I I forget what test it was, but since it didn't count for anything, um, I just decided on one of the like long answers. Mm-hmm. Actually, this may have been um. So maybe by my AP chemistry test, there's one question I just didn't know. Yeah. And so I used three pages of my book to draw a diagram of the Battle of Stalingrad. My God. <laughs> That's so funny. I just did like a write-up on the Battle of Stalingrad. Yeah. Oh. I did, uh, uh, and again, this is just going to be like a, it's funny, but this is going to be like a, another example of Evan and I being similar, but me just being like the wish.com version of Evan, uh, was, uh, yeah, we had a, an MCAS and they were like, it was the first year, it was the practice test for the history MCAS, which we didn't have yeah. to take, but the next year of kids had to take. But we so it may have been that one. It may have been that one. Yeah. And I did a whole, yeah. I wrote my whole essay cause it didn't fucking count. It didn't matter. Yeah. So I wrote my whole essay on how, um, the bulk of uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, or no, I'm sorry, the bulk of the Gettysburg Address was lifted from lyrics from Jay-Z's Black Album, oh. which was a great album at the time. Um, yeah, and so I did this whole thing about how Abe Lincoln um, plagiarized Jay-Z, which I thought was really funny when I was like 17, 16. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure some fucking person like just was like, oh, not reading. Why do we make them take tests when they know they don't count? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if it was my AP chemistry test. It may have been the practice history one. Yeah. But like, I didn't know the answer to the question. Yeah. So I just Stalingrad. Mm. There you go. Yep. <clears throat> Stalingrad, dude. Yeah. Good ass uh, time. Yeah. Well, for some, maybe not for many. <laughs> not for most. Um. But yeah. So anyway, uh, we got that, and then. I think in about a month and a half, we'll have an episode coming out with a guest. Um, I had to kind of delay that one since we've been bogged, bogged yeah. down with uh, these big projects. So we'll do that one. Uh, it's another guest that many of you know and love, so should be good as well. Yeah. Yep. I've also got uh, uh, an idea of someone that I really want to reach out to, and I, I, I hope I can get It's super different than any of the people that Evan's getting, but like <laughs> equally uh, respected in their field, and uh, that would be a kind of a fun pivot for our show. I'm not going to give anything away there, but... Uh, Tell me off air. Yeah, I'll t- I've already told you who, who I want to get for the show. It's, it's a totally separate thing, but um, I think it would be fucking sweet. And anybody that knows this person, I think at least... Uh, our last guest probably knows who this person is and would probably fucking love that episode too. So maybe we'll have to reach out to them and see if they want to be a part of it, if it if it works out. Uh, but. Yeah. Yes, I will tell you off air. Um, cool. Yeah, they, that was – I love these Mystery Cult episodes. These are so cool. Yeah. I also was looking at Podbean um, while we were <laughs> recording. I was on my phone, but I was listening. Don't worry. And yeah. – uh, I noticed that you have successfully cooed me uh, in the top ten. Uh, for like, for those who didn't know, and Evan claims he didn't think of things this way, but I suspect that he's lying because I certainly noticed. For like the first year of this show, I like was I owned the top ten. The top ten was my shit, and then we had a couple with guests, and then Evan had like I when I say owned, I had like four, and he had like three, and then there were like a couple with guests, and I don't count those for anybody because guests make the, make those episodes. Um, and now, obviously, Jimmy Fallon Gong like rules our fucking <laughs> rules yeah. the roost, top two. And then I still have two in there. And then Evan has just like swept the fucking top ten. <laughs> He's got five. 
So congratulations to my co-host Evan because people are loving your shit and for right rightfully so. You put so much work into them, man. So um, uh, yeah, all that, of my like mis- my pretend jealousy aside, like this is a project <laughs> we do together, and I'm super happy that yeah. like people are listening to those episodes. Yeah, yeah, people really like the mystery cult part one. So yeah, mystery that was cult really cool to see. like blew up, and uh, that's also why I'm taking a break from Aztecs because I fucking killed myself on that, and it did not explode as much as mystery cult. So, so shame <laughs> on all of part you. Three. <laughs> It was part three, too. You know, those generally don't do as well as part one. It's already doing better than part two did, so. We'll really? See. Well, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, I always find that funny when they do that, like. Yeah. Yeah, like part three will be better than part two, but part one's always yeah. the best. I don't know. It's podcasts are strange. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff on the docket. Anything else you want to talk nope. about? Nope. All right. Well, thank you Oh, guys. wait, no. Oh. Uh, actually, yes. Have you watched uh, the new Predator movie yet, Prey? No, is it good? Oh, dude, it fucking rules! I knew it would. I like saw it. Yeah. Um, I I was I've read a few books about the Comanches, and um, mm-hmm. they're such a fucking wild and fascinating like group of people. Yeah. Um, and when I saw that they were making a, a Predator flick where it was like a Comanche woman like yeah. fighting a predator i was like that's sick like they're finally yeah. doing I, something yeah legitimately so cool i really like that franchise. actress too amber mid thunder yeah she was in um the tv show legion okay. which is like the most probably the bizarre tv show i've ever seen it is like very it's awesome it's a really really good show it was only okay. like three seasons but it's about the superhero legion or like the x-men legion mm-hmm. who's like i think like uh charles xavier's son or something like that. oh yeah 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 who has like schizophrenia yeah and uh and it's just like a, and every personality by... has like a different power right well is yeah kind of well so the show's really weird yeah. like it is like i don't even know how to describe it but it's by the guy who does the tv series fargo okay. and um uh, amber mid thunder is in that i feel like she plays somebody who has like is both like an older man and like a younger woman in the same body and mm. then like split sometimes i don't know the whole it's it is a very confusing but cool show that I, I really couldn't tell you what it's about other than you will feel as schizophrenic as the lead, I guess. Cool, I'm not gonna watch <laughs> it. That sounds like the sort yeah. of thing that I can't watch. Oh, it, it's very, very cool. But uh-huh. as someone with like like relatively low level, just like like intrusive mental illness, I fucking can't <laughs> watch crazier people than me because it just makes me feel crazy. Yeah. Um it's it's really, really cool. Yeah. But um yeah, so she's in, and yeah, the movie rules. It's just like her uh, just fucking up a predator, as well as some like pervert French uh, fur tradesman. Hell yeah, so, fur trappers. So yeah, dude, I I I, I am absolutely gonna watch it. I um yeah. I canceled my Hulu subscription forever ago because like I just never used it, and I'm like probably yeah. gonna like see about getting that back for a hot second because I definitely want to watch that movie. I did watch yeah. the Maltese Falcon the other night. That was that movie. Rolled. That's a noir I haven't seen. It's like the first film noir, like well, the first popular film noir. You could probably make yeah. arguments for other other flicks, but it's it like made that genre what it was, and put Humphrey Bogart like on the map. And he, dude, yeah. what a stud, dude! Humphrey Bogart is yeah, so he good. He's so good. Yeah. And then I started watching, and I'm like halfway through, and I'm gonna finish that probably tomorrow. Is uh, the third man, which is written I by Orson Welles as well on Letterbox. Yeah, I didn't I've never um, seen that either. I didn't mean to. I think I submitted my review before I was done with the show. I didn't mean to do that, but I don't really know how to like undo that. So if I end up hating the second half, I'll just like revise my, <laughs> revise, <laughs> get rid of my rating. Um, yeah. Can you go in and edit them? 
Yeah, you can edit. Oh, okay. Well, then that's what I'll do. Yeah. I don't really care if I'm half-lying, though, saying that I've watched it. The first half, my rating is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another. So Humphrey Bogart and Orson Welles, two people that I knew were hype, but uh, never understood the hype because I hadn't partaken in oh, it. Oh, yeah, because you've never seen uh, um, Citizen Kane? Citizen Kane, yeah. Yeah, never. And I know it's like the thing you got to see if you're going to have it. I don't know. I'm just not. <coughs> yeah, I also own The Lady from Shanghai, but I haven't watched that one yet. Mm. Another Orson Welles classic. Yeah. Yeah. As Orson Welles famously said, I live my life the only way I can, one half mile at a time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this is started. <laughs> We've been talking for like 10 minutes since the end of the episode. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. As always, yep. we will have links to everything you could possibly need to get in touch with us or send us hate mail or whatever you want. Yep. Um, yeah, and the response to the show has been really great the last few months. So I know we say this on repeat, but like we just we love it and we really appreciate yep. it. So um, thanks once again to Evan for a super cool episode about cutting your dicks off or whatever the fuck we talked about. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of dicks. There were a lot. Of, there was a lot of slicing and dicing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, this has been another installment of Left Unread. We are happy you guys showed up, and we'll see you again next week, or yep. or not. You know, sometimes things get a little fucky, but we try. Yep. We try. We try. We certainly do. We do. We work real hard on this show. So yep. All right, uh, Evan. I will talk to you probably in, in about six seconds. Yep. <laughs> All, right, All right. Cool. Bye, everybody. Bye, peace.